Hello, little ones. Welcome to Reengage, the weekly podcast where we watch and discuss episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Our cultural bridge officers dissect each episode as well as the pop culture and world events that took place when it first aired. We're a bunch of Gen X adults returning to the series we loved as kids to see how it holds up. So call your mother and let's re-engage. Hello everyone and welcome to our re-engaging with Menage a Troy, mm. a fantastic episode that we will get to very, very soon. But first, hello to my cultural bridge officers. Uh, we'll start by saying hello. Oh, I'm Kate, by the way. Kate Yeager. Hi, Kate. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I are. I already told them, but I got trapped in an elevator today, so reality means nothing to me now. I can't make it on the outside world. I only know those four small walls. You're in the nine and a half <laughs> floor now. Who knows what could happen? Hi, Greg Tito. How are you? Good. I'm excited to you know get into the Ferengi zone. Yeah, the Ferengi zone, <laughs> which uh, is an erogenous area, as we yes. will learn. Oh. Eric Curry, how are you, my friend? I am doing very well. It's good to see all of you. I'm very excited to talk to Shelley, who I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah! We're all going to have fun today. Hey. <laughs> and how are you, Jimmy G? I am doing great. I'm so happy they brought back Robert Cushman, one of my favorite TNG writers, and bringing his particular set of talents to this script. We have an amazing guest, one of my very favorite people in the world, one of my very best friends, Shelly Coley Donahue. Hello, Shelly. How are you, my friend? Hello, Kate Yeager. I'm fine. I've not been trapped in any elevators of late, so I am firmly planted in reality such as it is states. <laughs> <laughs> and Shelley, tell us a little bit about your connection with the Star Trek universe. Sure. Well, first of all, I would like to state for the record, I am an OG listener from episode one. Every episode. Nice. Ooh, Huge perfect. fan. I have sent you all personalized critiques. You'll read later. <laughs> <laughs> I am tough but fair. So I, <laughs> I am. Uh, I have a sort of a weird origin story with Next Gen. So I've never seen an episode of the original Star Trek. I've never seen an original movie. To this day. To this day. Interesting. Nice. I know it's kind of weird. It, it was sort of like unintentional, and now it's become a thing. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I actually had some friends when I was, uh, so I am technically not Gen X. I am a Zennial. I am the five-year gap between Millennial and Gen X. Uh, we are forgotten, um, but I exist. Uh, so I had some <laughs> friends when I was, uh, so I was, what, 10, I think, when this episode came out. So I did not watch it originally. Um, but when I was about 13 or 14, my best friend at the time got super into Star Trek. I'm like, you should watch the show. It's really cool. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. It seems kind of weird. Like, science boys. Yeah, gross. And then she sent me an audio book of Imzadi, which is referred to a little bit in this episode, sort of. And I was like, oh, my God, it's so romantic. And then I was like, oh, my God, Star Trek is so romantic. So then I started watching it and went to a convention like that next year and was like fully on board almost instantly. Wow, convention. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, a whole other fandom jumping in. Nothing by half measures. <laughs> Nothing by half measures. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I know you've sort of been re-watching along as you've been listening to our podcast. Yeah. And how has it been sort of re visiting those, these episodes or some of them probably for the first time as well. Yeah, both. Yeah, for sure. So I've been re-engaging because I've re-engaged with y'all and then I decide based on your opinions if I should watch that episode or not, which I think is <laughs> probably the best nice. way to do it. It is funny how, you know, the, some of the things that, especially the ones where you're like, as a 12, 13, 14 year old, you're like, oh my God, it's so romantic. And then you watch it again, you're like, oh, so problematic and troubling. <laughs> how often that happens and then how often like just the we're trying to do the right thing, but this is just straight up white colonizer stuff comes up. <laughs> but you know, spirit and intent, right? I forgot to mention Shelly is Canadian. So uh, we are now internationally known. She's not in Canada now, uh, nor does she live there anymore. But I, it <laughs> but still it stands. It counts. It counts. Yeah, we got Sweden and now we got Canada. I know, right? We we are we are we are branching out. I love it. If you listen carefully, you hear the extra use. Yes, you did send us an email that was full of um, color, as it were, and your favorite. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Thanks. <laughs> so this episode, uh, star date 43930.7, air date of May 28th, 1990. We skipped a week here uh, in our in our telling, so I'm sure that Greg has a lot to tell us about what was happening in the news, in the world around I do indeed. Very excited. I did notice that two year, a two week gap, and I was like, "Hmm, there's got to be some some goodies in here." I'm gonna do a little rapid fire because of that. So we got on May 17th, the Bank of China Tower opened in Hong Kong. It is the first super tall. I don't know exactly what super tall means. I think it's over 300 meters tall skyscraper that opened outside the U.S. That building you might have seen in movies like King Kong. It was in a Transformers movie that nobody saw. Uh, so, yeah, it's a it's a famous part of uh, the Hong Kong skyline. But it's now the fourth tallest building there in that city alone. Uh, so it's quickly superseded. On May 22nd, Microsoft released Windows 3.0. Did anybody use windows at this time mm. no i'm no, I, don't, I don't have enough k <laughs> <laughs> you did not have enough k or or uh ketamine either um it was i do ha- my brother had an ibm uh machine that ran windows 3 and it was weird and janky it was like such a mocking of the uh the macintosh interface it did not work really very well I come from a Mac family. It is mm. very uh, instilled in me. Uh, but I do, the first time I ever remember really thinking about Microsoft Windows was my first trip to Seattle with my family. And there used to be this amazing strip club uh, called the Lusty Lady in downtown Seattle <laughs> that always would have like amazing billboards. And when we were driving into Seattle for the first time, it said, try our Windows 95. Because uh, it was one of those places where you would put the little coins in and the little oh dear would go up. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Lusty Lady. Uh, owned by owned by the strippers, so you know. Oh well, that's good. Yeah, See, I thought it was going to be yeah. like owned by Steve Ballmer or something like that, and I was like, that's upsetting. No, they. I'm every, here for a dancer co-op. Yeah. Every year they would have Aaron go brawless on. Uh, I was about to say Irish Day. <laughs> That's the one. May 24th, the Stanley Cup Finals, Boston. Our wonderful Boston Bruins were defeated by the Edmonton Oilers four games to one. I'm not a hockey person, but I imagine this was the time when the Oilers had a certain guy. Wayne. Mr. Gretzky, right? The great one. The only player that non-hockey fans can name from his generation. <laughs> but we have an actual Canadian here, so so perhaps we should be deferring to what you think about this, show. Oh, I mean, national hero, obviously. He was where the puck was going to be, not where the puck was. That is the key. And I remember in uh, gym class as kids, we didn't have ice because I'm from Vancouver. We don't have ice, but so, you know, street hockey, gym mm-hmm. hockey. But every kid, every boy had the, the Gretzky half tuck and tried to do the double, the double sided puck handling and none of, none of them could do it. They were all terrible, but they all tried. Bless <laughs> I love that you took hockey in school because of course you did. That's fantastic. Fun fact, I got the first and only penalty in my uh, first and only penalty in 10th grade gym class in hockey. High stick nice. someone right in the face. Oh, good work. Good for you. Stand on my damn High sticking, way. high kicking. Those are the ways. Yes, stand yeah. on my way. That's amazing. Well, I mean, Gretzky's had a great run. It was his fifth cup in seven years. That's actually kind of amazing. It's almost up there with uh, with Michael Jordan, which is why there was a, wasn't it like a Saturday morning cartoon? Do you guys remember this? Where it was the wing was Gretzky, oh, yeah. Michael Jordan, and who's the third one? It was the something heroes. It was, no, it was, yeah, yeah and Bo, uh, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, because he was yeah. two. He was a two sport guy. Yeah, there was also a they cereal like, that's called Pro Stars that tasted like ass, but they were in the shape uh. of stars. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of stars, Ricky Henderson is here because on May 29th he stole the record 893rd base, oh. breaking everyone's favorite asshole Ty Cobb's record, and I think he still has that record to this day. He does. He by by several hundred. Yeah. He he leads the field. I think third place is still Willie Wilson at like eight hundred and ten. No one is going like to beat it's, that. No one's going to come close to Ricky Henderson's stolen base record. Like it, it, it would the game would just. I mean, 
significantly have to change for someone to come anywhere close to that. Pull one out for Ricky Anderson and one of the best uh, David Cross bits. If you've never seen him do the Ricky Anderson bit. It's Every time. It's, it's the only thing I think of. <laughs> <laughs> and then on May 29th, Boris Yeltsin was elected president of the Russian Republic. I don't know what any of that means, so I had to look it up. Uh, <laughs> the Russian Republic was just Russia, basically, in the, the USSR. It was the Union of Socialist Soviet Republics, and so it was just the biggest one. And he became president of that under a new system that Gorbachev had put in. But Gorbachev and him were rivals. And Boris Yeltsin was famously uh, drunk during a lecture uh, here in the States and might have fallen off a bridge drunk this is one of my favorite stories and he's like well maybe it was just my you know my political uh, adversaries who forced me off that bridge <laughs> or he was just drunk it's never really been proven he went into a grocery store in texas when he was touring the united states of america and then on the car ride home there are multiple eyewitnesses that state like he was sobbing because of what the russians had done to the russian people that like even a middling supermarket in houston texas would be like all of this amazing stuff like cocoa puffs right they had twinkies they had all the things that we loved as kids and then he's like i we had we give nothing to our people what's wrong with all this he now this is his rise to to power in the ussr and it all started when this episode was airing damn all right i'm done thank you thank you in the world of pop culture, we finally have a new number one song. Sinead O'Connor has been dethroned, dethroned by one Madonna. Anyone want to guess the which Madonna? We're talking 1990. Like a virgin? La Isla Bonita. Oh, no. We're talking... Like a prayer. Come on, Vogue. 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 Yeah, I, those all sounded so early. to the music. Oh yeah, absolutely. Vogue nice. Vogue is like is her forceful coming out into the 90s and uh and making a name for herself. We thought she would just be an 80s star. Oh no, no, no. You can't hold Madonna down. Uh very famously. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you just can't. In terms of movies, we have finally have a new movie. We jumped a week and we missed Bird on a Wire was uh the number one film for a hot week. Before we knew Mel Gibson was crazy. Before we knew Mel Gibson oh, we was knew. <laughs> in your I heart of know. hearts you knew. And this current week uh that we're talking about Back to the Future Part Three. Uh, was the number one film uh, the, maybe the most controversial of the of the three in terms of whether or not it is good or not? Oh, it's not. It's definitely the, the weakest out of the three, but it's the still very good. The weakest of the three, but it is. It, you know what? It's like it's like pizza. It's still pretty good. It's still pretty good. It's great. Yeah, I loved these because they they came out like very close together, two and three. Like it was yeah. this long period of like, are they going to do a sequel? Are they not going to do a sequel? And everybody was like, I mean, I was like eight when. The first one came out, so it was very formative for me of being like, oh, this is cool. I love this. I want more of it. And two and three, they delivered at least on being like, oh, yeah, you like Back to the Future? Here's more of it. (laughs) (laughs) They did do that. We didn't think this could make it in the movie, but you guys will buy anything. So have fun. Speaking of Canadians, (laughs) thank you, Michael J. Fox. Our tiny is On the Great Broadway, the 44th annual Tony Awards took place, and Grapes of Wrath and City of Angels won the night. And in TV, three really amazing things happened. We missed the series finale of Newhart. Do y'all remember what happened at the series finale of Newhart? So good. We were in the snow globe. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, revealed to be the dream uh, of Dr. Bob Hartley from the Bob Newhart Show. We watched that live. I remember. Oh, yeah. And and having watched the Bob Newhart Show with my parents growing up, that was just such delightful. I remember watching that live, too, and then, but having not seen the reference to it until (laughs) many years later and seeing that presentation and going, oh, my. Oh, oh, that other thing was talking about this thing. Great, got it. We also missed, speaking of O Canada, the series finale of You Can't Do That on Television. I don't know, Kate, Which did one? we? Ah, oh, I have a 
have to say that show was very formative for me in terms yeah. of like sense of humor and pushing the boundaries. And we didn't have cable uh, or we didn't have Nickelodeon in my house. So I could only watch it at my aunt's house. And it was like this secret show that I could watch that no one knew how dirty it was. <laughs> Barf. Barf. And now I would watch it and be like, oh, no, none of this should be it. On television. <laughs> <laughs> so many children being called fat and ugly and stupid. Yep. Oops, yeah. daisies. Don't remember that part. And oh yeah, they were real mean. They they named one of the girls Moose for God's sake. I mean, it was oh. it was not the nicest. That was um, a term. No, you're right. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, that week Seinfeld debuted as the Seinfeld Chronicles. So there we are, leaving the '80s behind and going into these here '90s. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the death of one Mr. Rex Harrison, known for speak singing his way into all of our hearts. And that's what was happening in pop culture. (laughs) In terms of this particular episode, this was um, actually written by two folks, by Fred Bronson and Susan Sackett. Fred Bronson wrote for the Star Trek animated series in 1974 under a pseudonym, John Culver, because he was the NBC NBC publicist for the show and was told that it would be a a conflict of interest if he wrote for them. Hmm. And he actually introduced Roddenberry to Susan Sackett, who became Roddenberry's personal executive assistant. And the two of them worked together to write Menage a Troy, as well as season five's The Game. And a little bit of trivia, they both also appeared in the rec, rec deck scene in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Oh, wow. Homage to them. This was directed by Robert Legato, which means that it was very long and smooth. (laughs) (laughs) Surname humor is the best. (laughs) Robert uh, happened to be the uh, visual effects coordinator and eventually supervisor and worked on the first five seasons of TNG as well as the first season season of DS9. Uh, and he directed this as well as the fourth season's nth degree, which we have not gotten to the nth degree yet, but we will. <laughs> Jimmy, uh, there was lots happening behind the scenes. Tell us all about it. Only a couple of things that I thought were interesting, and here they are. <laughs> <laughs> To celebrate Wesley's promotion from acting ensign to full ensign, Roddenberry actually provided the actor Will Wheaton with his real-life ensign bars that he had earned in the Navy 30 years before. Oh. And there is a kind of a big to-do because Legato uh, says that it was thick with guests on the set. Uh, and that's because the the lady writer you had mentioned, who is Roddenberry's Susan. assistant, that was her first scripts, the first script she sold. So he was pretty excited for her. And this was his wife's yearly vehicle. So they every year they had to provide something that was centered around Loxwana to make Roddenberry happy. And this was that one. So he was there for that. And chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, none other than uh, General Colin Powell, was on hand for the ceremony of uh, Wesley being pinned with the uh, ensign bars. Did they really get pinned? Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) For you trivia buffs, the comedic premise of the show, that being a hostage that nobody really wants, was inspired by an O'Henry story, uh, The Ransom of Red Chief. And uh, Ray Bradbury got some love, if you catch it. That was the name of the ship that was supposed to take Wes onto the Academy. And we also got some Zephram Zephram Cochran love when they had dropped the Cochran distortion effect in there. And at this time, Zephram Cochran wasn't as well known as we became get to know him because those movies hadn't come out where he becomes a big part of the lore. It was these little nuggets you got about the person who helped discover the warp drive. That's all I care to talk about. <laughs> well, that's all I care to listen to. And we had guest stars. Yeah, we did. Oh, hell yeah. Eric, tell us about the guest stars. Yeah. Speaking of Zephram Cochran, Ethan Phillips, who we'll talk about at length as Dr. Farrick, was in Star Trek First Contact. That was a later appearance for him. But we, of course, we're going to speak a little bit about Majel Barrett and Carol Strukin as Mr. Hom. Uh, but we've spoken about them at length. We'll just say again, love from all of us to you two amazing, wonderful, 
stalwart pillars of the Star Trek Next Generation community. Uh, but we've already talked about you. So we move on to Frank Corsentino as Damon Tog. Uh, a super interesting dude. He did Star Trek Voyager as well, but uh, he's his cred comes from things like Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, mm. Moon uh, Moonchild. Like he did everything throughout the eighties. Uh, Voyager was his very last credit. Star Trek: The Next Generation Final Unity video game was his second to last credit, and the two appearances he made as Damon Tog and Damon Bach. Uh, were his third to last credits. So he went out high on a uh, Star Trek ship bound for wherever, right? What an amazing career. <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about Peter Slutsker as Nybor. Uh He's also known as Peter Marks. I just want to go a little bit about each of these folks. He has done six, count them, six Broadway shows, including Singing in the Rain in 1985 to 86 as Cosmo Brown, what a hell of a career. Most recently on Broadway with After the Night and the Music in 2005. An interesting career if you want to go follow him around a little bit as well. Of course, we have Rudolph Wilrich as Rytan Grax. And of course, we know him best nine and a half weeks where he is Chinatown shopper. Uh, he had a really <laughs> wonderful career. Uh, stuff goofy like Sunset Beach, uh, The Golden Girls for Richer or Poorer, Home Improvement, As the World Turns, Legal Eagles, which I absolutely loved. Uh, he, he wasn't named an awful lot of times, but he was often called things like cafe owner, <laughs> Chinatown shopper, FBI agent. Uh, really terrific in this one. And again, it was towards the end of his career. He did do a Star Trek Enterprise later on and a Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We know that they were loyal to in-universe actors. We're going to spend most of our time today with Ethan Phillips as Dr. Farrick. I know you all recognize him as well as Neelix later on on Star Trek Voyager for all of the seasons of that. I first saw him, I remember, on Benson, yes. which was one of my favorite shows as a kid. Yep. Uh, really a fun, ridiculous actor. Petey. Yes. <laughs> Pete Downey, right? Yeah, yeah. He is the son of the former owner of Frankie and Johnny's on 45th and 8th in New York uh, City. And he wow, got really? his... Uh, degrees from boston university and cornell uh and he plays the tenor sax in a pretty highly regarded jazz band the alan wasserman jazz band he does a ton of theater all through his career then and now he uh, has done shows where christopher durang has written words specifically for him including uh, the nature and the purpose of the universe and he has done a show where no less than Tennessee Williams wrote a monologue specifically for him to deliver while the uh, lead in the show had a uh, dress change that we hadn't discovered. That's Jill Eikenberry in Eccentricities of a Nightingale. So uh, he, uh, Ethan Phillips had, had a monologue written specifically for him by Tennessee Williams, and he didn't retire. What a hero. <laughs> retired immediately. I have him on CD on My Favorite Year, the original cast recording, which was made into a musical with Tim Curry. Mm. Other stuff that he's done on stage uh, include Mammoth stuff. He did Imaginary Invalid opposite Peter <laughs> Dinklage. He was in All the Way, both at ART and then again on Broadway with Brian Cranston recently. He's worked all over the country in places like Seattle Rep, Center Stage, Old Globe Theater, Actors Theater, Louisville, Pasadena Playhouse, The Geffen, uh, and he has worked for six or seven different seasons in the Playwright Institute's Playwrights Conference, uh, including for shows that he himself has written. You go back to movies, he's done Milos Forman with Ragtime, Jeffrey, which I believe he did off-Broadway as well. Uh, Lean on Me, he's in several of the Critters movies. Mm -hmm. Check that shit out. Coen Brothers Inside Lewin Davis, and he is wonderful in The Purge election year. To take one from Jimmy, that's that's all that's worth responding to today. <laughs> Very Lucille Bluth, both of you. Fantastic. <laughs> Let's get into this episode. We find out at the very beginning that the Enterprise has been in attendance at the Biennial Trade Agreements Conference. Ooh. Mm. And now they're having their sort of closing ceremony. Uh, I don't know why they're having it aboard the ship and not on the planet, but you know, you do you. And this is the first time that the Trade Agreements Conference has included Ferengi. We're in 10 forward. We see Riker playing chess. He wins, of course. 
and the Fringy blames the music, which we learn is an Algolian ceremonial rhythm. What do we think of this? Oh, you just skate right past uh, Wesley being oh, the yes. worst kid at the party. What I was just about to say. <laughs> what are our first impressions of this scene, including young Wesley being, you're correct, the worst? <laughs> uh, my first impression was, wow, uh, there's a lot of aliens here. Yes. There were yep. a lot of different species represented in this scene. And I wonder if that had to do with legato now that you mentioned he was a special effects person mm. if that was why because mm. there were a lot of different yeah uh, um aliens not just humans in uniforms like they went all out and that was like whoa we're really in space this is kind of cool there's a lot of representation in tin ford i really hope he just threw all the rubber masks he had in his dotson and brought <laughs> <out> his- <laughs> like, okay boom boom you boom, get a mask you get a mask <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did think it was interesting when Riker was sort of like playing the chess game, but he was like kind of flirting with Will, like sort of like, "Hey, check this move out, kid. I'm gonna take him out. What do you think of Danny? It was real. Uh, it was real gross. It's real gross." <laughs> Learn from my toxic masculinity, kid. Thirty moves. <laughs> I could have done it in twenty. Uh, Amazing. We find out that Luxana Troy uh, is on board, being a family friend, uh, a longtime friend of the the guy who's in charge. Man, I I never quite got a beat on who that dude was. Uh, but we do learn a little bit uh, that Betazoids can't read Ferengi minds, mm. even though we may have seen that happen previously. Just kidding. It didn't happen before. Four nodes. They get lost. Yeah. Too many nodes for the Betazoids. There was quite a little <laughs> exposition, like, they were like, and this and this and this and this and this. Anyway, back to the party, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a distinct feeling, like, we're not giving up on the Ferengi. We oh, will fix this. Yeah, totally. We spent way too much on time <laughs> right. on design for those fuckers. We're not letting them go. We bought all that back of the head fabric. It's we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so we see Loxana uh, telepathing with uh, Troy, uh, with Deanna, wishing that she had stayed on Beta Z, uh, knowing she would be happier. Which was like every bad idea of like the the mother daughter relate adult mother daughter relationship. Like every trope is in <laughs> that little small right. conversation. I agree. I was like, oh, she's going too far. But the way Deanna reacts, I thought she was a little petulant. It's like, you are acting like a teenager and not an adult mm. woman right now. Especially when she's like, mother, use your mouth when you speak. It's rude. Like, it's not rude to communicate the way that is absolutely natural to your people. Like, that is. The same thing as saying, don't speak Spanish. We're in America. Like, it was, it just hit me wrong. It's like, stop acting like a little girl. Like, you can use your powers. It's fine if you guys mentally talk to each other. And even if it's not fine, find a better way to be upset than yeah. just like, stop it, mom. <laughs> I'm not a little girl anymore. Like, well, I will say, as a, as a adult woman with a, even more adult uh, mother. Sometimes that level of embarrassment does not go away. The sort of like, God, mom, you're embarrassing me on the ship. But at that point, she hadn't been embarrassed, right? The later part when the Riker leaves, I mean, that was... <laughs> that was way over the line, <laughs> but also hysterical. I think she knows her mom is going to go yes. over the line. Like it's yes. it's all we all fair. Do. We all do. That, that, yeah. that Deanna starts at seven or eight. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. a very Carrie yeah, this... Fisher, Debbie Reynolds sort of vibe. And I also wonder mm. if part of that that little temper tantrum wasn't due to the wildly outrageous outfits that everyone like. Everyone was dressed to the craziest 80s level right like the like weird side split and then the like like harvey girl taffeta skirt like it was yeah everyone was dressed completely insane i love that they keep building up the picard can't 
get away from Luwaxana enough. Yes. Right from the get-go, right? Where he's like, I was going to explore the... The, the door mechanism. The, the garbage mechanism. The mechanism. It's oh, so good. It was amazing. And she's just left. She's a little bit like, oh, John Luke, you're my only friend at this party. Even though her oldest friend in, in the world was standing right there with John Luke and didn't even say hi. It was just like, yeah, I'll go look at the fucking door. <laughs> yeah, he was the same thing. He's like, out of here. Peace. No, they were brain talking. She was being rude and they were brain talking. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> That's canon now. By the way. Oh, yes. I was so hoping yes. he's a canon. Yes. That's canon. <laughs> they were brain talking. They were they brain talking. In fact, thing. it's canon. That's how the Betazoids refer to it. It's brain, brain talking. talking. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Oh, little one. Well, we see uh, some Ferengi who are checking Loxana out. Uh, one of them tries to talk to her, and then Picard is of no help to her. Um, so... Uh, he says to her the way to any woman's heart uh, <laughs> that every woman has her price. And she very rightfully takes him down a million pegs. This is where I'm not with Deanna. When Deanna gets right. mad at her for embarrassing her, I'm like, no, no, she had it right. <laughs> yeah. Put those Ferengi down. There's this great moment, though, when she's taking him down. And they pan over to Troy, and she's just humiliated. And Riker has the biggest shitting grin. It's so good. <laughs> and he's he's not really in the frame. Like you only see like half of his face, but you're like, oh, he's loving his up this shit eating grin. If there were bar nuts there, he would be popping them in the you know, throwing them up and popping them in his mouth. Hey Wesley, get a look at get a load of this. <laughs> Damon Tog says, "Now I want her more than ever." Loxana Troy, you will be mine. Mm-mm. Credits. You knew he was going to say it as soon as he, like, it was just like, this shot says it. You don't even have to use those words. Oh, man. right. I mean, like, they, they go, they fall just short of him spindling his fingers together, like in Mr. Burns style. I don't know what show you guys think this is, <laughs> but this is the show that this is. <laughs> <laughs> A hundred percent. Give them the tartar sauce. If if <laughs> if starships had railways, he would have been tying her to like the railroad track. Yes. <laughs> yes. True Mustache rolling. At the end of the credits, have a walk and talk with Troy and Worf, where we learn that Worf thinks that Luxana is an admirable woman. Luxana brain talks to Deanna. <laughs> Here's a quick thing I was wondering about with that scene with Worf and. Deanna, spoiler alert, later on, there's a little something, something between those two. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. But I wonder if Warp's interest in Deanna is is because he has a crush on Luxana and hopes that she'll turn into her mom when she gets older. Ooh, that's an onioned layer. Yeah. Mm, Like being aggressively sexual. Exactly. And like super It's a very Klingon... And all the (laughs) stuff um, that Riker learned about them being like eight... Eight times, like, isn't there like a period of, of life in the Beta Z women where they like they become eight times more sexually active or something? Oh, yeah. And he's like, hey, Wait, you didn't tell me it was eight times. <laughs> when Riker invariably is telling Worf about what human women are like, he will say the, the tried and true chauvinistic thing always make sure you check out her mom. He will say that. So. I, I think Shelly's getting canon left and right. Yeah. She's got one of them. She's got one of them uh, howitzer cannons. <laughs> wow, nice. After well some uh, brain talking, because she knows she's in the hallway. In comes uh, Deanna, and we have this great moment of um, her on the couch because she is overwhelmed by being talked to in such a manner. Like, you expect the Southern drawl to come out. I have been affronted. (laughs) (laughs) Give me my tea. Yet again, she goes, this is why Deanna knew that her mom was going to be a a bitch earlier is because she immediately goes right back to it, right? Like, I just think you would have been happier. Like, they've had this same discussion uh, both with mouth talking and brain talking uh, ad infinitum. <laughs> and finally she says, um, this is my family here on the Enterprise. But Luxana definitely wants a grandbaby. And even pulls out the Riker card. You had your chance with Commander Riker and you blew it. 
that's where it crossed the line for me. I mean, that is one. real, like, bull. Considering what also Lawaxana did last time she was on, when she was trying to seduce Riker out right. from under Troy. Like, Ooh, that's just Yeah, creepy. that's nasty. I forgot about that. <laughs> you upset Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's upset. Stop it, everybody. Stank face on that one. It's also Greek. Yes, very yeah, Greek. absolutely. But then we get this this moment that Jimmy was alluding to earlier, where she says, "Little one, you called me that when I was five. Treat me as an adult." Which you know what? Fair enough. Like the little one might get. You know, is she it little bird, little Harvala? <laughs> uh, that's all I think. But yeah, this is like this is the crux of of what is going to be. We think that this is going to be what this episode is about, right? The the mother and daughter who can't get their shit together, and will they ever find common ground? Mm-mm. But this this episode likes to leave. Mother and child reunion. <laughs> we go to the ready room where Wesley is giving a breakdown to Picard and Riker and trying to give credit oh to his fellow folks. Um, what a jerk fest this was. Come on. <laughs> Can I stroke you? No, let me stroke you. I'm going to stroke you. Let's just all stroke each other. Oh, it's my Like goodness. the Princeton crew. <laughs> Absolutely. But in engineering terms, they're like, wow, you're <laughs> wankle rotary engines real good. <laughs> Which I guess fits with what we're talking about, that we find out that, that he is just one oral exam away from being formally admitted to the academy. <laughs> this episode oral exam is inappropriate. It was, I, every time I said it, I was like, <laughs> Any other episode would be fine, but anytime like Suana's around, you can't nope, say oral you just can't. exam. Just, just somewhere she's like, what? What? <laughs> Is there oral here? <laughs> However, with the jerking off of each other, it was a nice payoff <laughs> when um, both Riker and Picard are sipping their tea daintily, and, Bic- and Riker just comes up, yeah, you did a good job. That's the point, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I appreciate it. As long as you all washed your hands, we can be done. <laughs> well, we know the ship self cleans, so everything will be fine. Picard tells Riker to take some shore leave. Why not? Which, you know, to me is a little, you know, like Deanna asked for shore leave. Would you like some shore leave too? Wink, wink, wink. That's some comeuppance for the captain's holiday thing where it was like, you two were conspiring to get me some nookie. Well, I'm going to get you some nookie in return. There it is. There it is. And Riker didn't even say yes. He's just like, okay. And he like walks out the door. Like there's almost no conversation about it. Whatever. Riker never needs an invitation. Yeah. He's like, all right. Question. Can I bring my heart porn? <laughs> uh, so down we go to Beta Z, which is a lovely campus somewhere in California. The Botanical Gardens, actually, in uh, something with an M. Deanna is wearing the perfect 90s dress, y'all. That dress. Shelly, talk to me about that dress. They all look like they were in like some sort of Twilight Tharp ballet. It was all like just slightly, and like mm-hmm. there was even a point where in the very beginning they like lean over to smell that weird pulsing flower, and she has to like adjust the shoulder strap. Like, what did they do to the costumer that allowed this to happen to all of them? Because all the costumes <laughs> in this episode are buck wild. Oh, it's about to get better for them. That's absolutely nuts. <laughs> and you guys, after after the kiss. Oh, did Almost I mention kiss. they kiss? No, they kiss. Almost. No, uh-huh. God, it gets interrupted. No, it gets interrupted. No, they kiss. There's contact. There's contact. I don't believe they don't was. kiss as much as they want to kiss. It's the funniest Jimmy, thing but... because in the background, we as the audience see the profile of Luexana and Mr. Hum. And so we know it's going to happen like right before they mm. do. And that is glorious. I definitely. I thought like, it was broken this, up. This is it, farce. It is. Yeah, it is a really nice sort of. Yes, exactly what you just said, farce. And then the like, mom, how did you know about the spot? Mother. My, mind, mind, mind reader. Mind reader, mind, mind reader. Like, <laughs> but did you guys think it was odd that they immediately were holding hands? It was like booty calls, like we're on shortly together. I guess we better hook up. Like, because there's no, yeah. there's no like, like I mean, close that's... hand contact in. You're adults. They they did it on the shuttlecraft over to Beta Zen. Well, yeah. Yeah. They're adults. It... Doesn't mean you hook up just because you're adults. <laughs> They do. What? 
They got forty well, now they do. or whatever. But also, like you're on you the know, clock. They have. They have. Yeah. They have history on they're, that planet they're together. Buddies. <laughs> they're beta buddies. They're nasty. Beta fuck buddies, I think. <laughs> what is the deal with the lettuce is what I want to know. It's, you mean the ornamental the, kale? The ornamental <laughs> kale, yes, that you're not supposed to eat. It's warm. That's all we know. Was it supposed to be good Hot, or was it supposed kale. to be bad? I couldn't tell what, what <laughs> Luxana was trying to do in that moment. My guess is like, you know how she like fetishizes all these weird Betazoid things? I bet it's like some ancient garbagey vegetable that ancient Betazoids, you know, worshipped. And she was like, I'm going to pretend this is good because I'm Luxana. And it was actually, you know, this hot, sucky lettuce. Hot, sucky lettuce. <laughs> or it was like horny goat weed or whatever. It was like, oh, I just want to make sure. That stuff's great. Though. I'm going to get that baby. Yeah. Get that grandbaby. Well, Damon Tog beams down suddenly, just as Luxana and Troy are starting, uh, and Deanna are starting to to fight with each other, uh, and expresses his love to Luxana with flowers. A bad, uh, not a very, you're going to bring those weeds to Luxana yeah. Troy? I don't think so. It was a Motel yeah. 6 lobby bouquet <laughs> in Albuquerque. Yes. <laughs> and uh, without too much consternation, uh, he beams them all away. And then poor Mr. Hom comes back and is just, uh, it's such, that's, he had to get all gussied up just for that one scene. There's a missed opportunity here with Mr. Hom. We know he is actually the funniest character in all of Star I Trek. Know. He should have just realized they were all gone and then drank the champagne that would have made me laugh we get on board the Frangie ship and everyone is splayed out Luxana on the on the floor which I have to say I was like all right good on you woman of a certain age because I would have been like oh Riker gets the bed (laughs) fuck you fuck you do you know who my husband is do you know who I am I'm the voice of the goddamn computer I'm not getting on the goddamn ground so maybe that just says more about me. The position that she's in, though, it's almost like a Jim Henson character. Where I'm like, is she in there? I don't know. Is this going to be maybe. like the garbage heap maybe is going to come out of here? Maybe it was just her dress. And then at the last minute, she pops out. They can't reach the Enterprise. They're too far away. So the communicator doesn't work. And suddenly the women are beamed away from their clothes because of course they are because why not they're not worthy of clothing yes they don't as i wrote some dick says that females don't deserve the clothes he's a doctor fuck that dude that's what i wrote (laughs) that's how i felt about him i thought it was interesting when they're talking to each other like the ferengi know they're telepathic we know they're telepathic but they kept doing this like Slight Ted Hill, like, I'm thinking at you right now. Right. I'm thinking at you right now. And if you had captured someone and you knew they could brain talk, and then they're making, I'm brain talking at your face, you'd be like, the fuck are you guys talking about? Are you trying to get away from me? Are you brain talking? Are you brain talking? Put that brain talk. <laughs> I mean, they also know that the Ferengi are really stupid. <laughs> That's true. Like, maybe they're doing it on purpose to see how much they can get away with. <laughs> Well, luckily, there's some shiny green fabric there so that we can wrap ourselves up. It's very important. And we find out that Damon Tog has a proposition. And I love kind of this little back and forth between Damon Tog and the doctor with the sort of good cop Ferengi cop. (laughs) It's like the whole like, I have a proposition with you. If you want to keep your daughter alive. Dude, chill. I'm fucking getting there. <laughs> like, just, like, that little back and forth between them amused me. But then they brain talk and Luxana's like, I got this. Don't worry about it. And then once Troy beams away, it once Deanna beams away, it becomes like a 1970s like sex lair where the bed comes out of the wall. I was expecting, you know, a disco ball to drop from the recessed ceiling and just a little Barry White playing. Oh God, what's that movie with Dudley Moore and Goldie Hawn where that happens? He's got that lair. Foul play. Sorry. All right, everybody, go watch Foul Play from the mid-70s. The bed was going to start vibrating after you put in the quarter. I went to Down with Love, but I think that 
happens to Beltwood. I'll buy that. Back on board the Enterprise in engineering, Wesley's like getting ready for his uh, test and everything's going to be fine. And then his oral yeah, exam. What kind of- <laughs> his oral exam. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I was trying to not say it. I didn't want to upset Shelly. But uh, Data is a real buzzkill. And it says, you know, you might not be assigned to the Enterprise, which apparently this is the first time that this has struck him. Oh, poor Will Wheaton. I didn't think of that either. Oh, such, <laughs> such a genius. You even think you might have to go work somewhere else, you dummy. And then, and then Jordy, Jordy escalates and like, Picard might not even work here. Like, right, he might be dead by now. Like, are you going to murder him? What the <laughs> What were they trying to do there, too? Like, that seems very, like, plot specific. Like, get this information. I think, I think they were trying to make him cry from the previous, the previous conversation. This writer, I wonder if they were writing a bunch of teen dramas before, because everything is, <laughs> is very uh, right out of adolescent kind of geared. Well, even Jordy kind of basically is like, college is the fucking best, man. Like, you know, like, you're going to go and you're going to have these experiences. <laughs> I mean, I never had any of those, but you're going to have so many experiences <laughs> with so many different people. Yeah, didn't he just go on a date last episode too? So like maybe Wesley's thinking of that. Oh, he's like it's we not do about know that Picard they smashed in the Jeffries tube. <laughs> yeah. That's canon. Yeah, that is canon. It's upsetting. Please, please, oral exam. <laughs> <laughs> Let me help you practice for your oral exam. Back on the Ferengi ship, the two uh, women keep their brain talking while Riker turns his attention to the chess game. But can we just um, go back to the brain talking for one second? Yeah. Does Deanna always know when her mom has sex? Because that's upsetting. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine that there is a, a, a like a, Proximity. a radius. Six block. Yeah. Right? Of, of knowledge. You... So growing up, she was traumatized exactly. every Saturday night. Exactly. Yes. And Tuesdays. And and, yes. and so was the homeowners association. <laughs> and Dad's everybody birthday. on Betazoid did. Well, everybody. That's right. Now all the Betazoids know when they're fucking. Like everyone within the six block radius knows. Like all right, you got to be mean, able to turn it off, right? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, Couldn't you put like a like a necktie on your cerebellum or <laughs> your something? <brain>. Like <laughs> not not to be that not to be that well in the novel guy, but in the book they sort of make reference to the fact that like. It's polite to not do that when you know fucking might be happening. But Deanna grew up there, so she should know that she shouldn't be listening for that. So that was, and like, I don't know. It just seems like, why would you want to know that about your mom? Well, but also she's keeping an, an ear on her mom, uh, right? Making sure everything is going to be okay. Pun and really pun definitely intended. Mm. This is where Riker gives the classic line, I beat you in 30 moves. I was being polite. I could have won in 20 fucking love it meanwhile we flip back to Laksana who has been is wearing a green gossamer gown and I don't know where she got it he was just like I found uh, this for you <laughs> she even like tucked it in and everything well look how the doctor was dressed later in the episode that's the Ferengi thing man they got this shit laying around <laughs> there it into is. the shiny robes that is true that is true Luxana basically does the dance of keeping Damon Tog out of her damn pants. <laughs> Duck and weave of like, how am I going to? It's uh, it's the uh, 1001 Arabian Nights, right? Where it's like, I'm going to tell you all of these stories so that I don't have to touch you with my tongue. <laughs> I'll do all the umats you want. They may have a made-up name for touching of ears. Yes, Umox. Umox. I, I thought it was interesting that the Frankie guy was like, no one's ever done it to me like that. And she could not have looked less interested or less invested, just like very randomly bringing her finger. She's like, it's the best I've ever had. Like, oh, so no one's ever wanted to have sex with you. Cool. <laughs> wait, wait to tell on yourself, bro. Oh, incel Ferengi, my friend. <laughs> kind of think all the male Ferengi are incels. Oh, I mean, I for don't... sure. Well, they don't yeah. let the women have clothes. There, there's something fundamentally broken about the four lobes in their brain. <laughs> Back on the other side of the ship, Riker suddenly, he doesn't want to play anymore. Can't see the board anymore. He's doing the same thing that Luxon yeah. is doing. Only, He's you know. like, oh, gave you a taste of my game playing, but now we're going to withdraw. <laughs> <laughs> is that what? And now I can't get that on my head. 
(laughs) (laughs) And so this ploy works because as we've learned uh, and as we've talked about, the Ferengi are not very smart. (laughs) We then we have the little Umak. Uh, when we come back to the to Riker, um, he has knocked out his uh, partner um, with his good playing, I guess. I don't know. And he tries to access the communications, but they're going to need Damon Tog's authorization. And Loxana brain talks and says, I got it. I got you. Don't worry about it. Meanwhile, the Enterprise, I guess, has been doing something important. I don't know it. They were talking about the stars at one point, and they were... All we know is that they've not been able to communicate with anyone for a couple of days. Because of the subspace interference. That's right, that damn subspace interference. And once they reach communication, they find out that the three have disappeared. Bum, bum, bum. Right, from the friend, the friend guy who's like... Yeah, from that dude who I've been trying to call you on. for two days. Oh man, I mean, at he, first was he was weird. What did I you guys think about? I thought he was his acting was weird all the way through. It's a weird. Like it was like I didn't know if he was reading lines on the wall <laughs> or something, but like his mouth did this weird thing where it kind of moved. Like it was just he was odd all the way. Every scene there was a little bit, a little yeah, him with his moving mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actors with moving mouths freak me the fuck out. Yeah, when they don't have lines, it's weird. <laughs> he was reading other people's lines, like he was like mumbling. Ah, right. <laughs> you don't have to say read out loud. Luxana devises a plan. Hey, lover, can I get you something to drink? Oh, silly me, I'm going to need your access code, which she very readily begins to give. That must have been some really good umox, like, right. real good. It reminded me is... of uh, of the, the thing from Sneakers where it's like, I just really love the word passport. Can you say passport? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. My voice is my passport? Tablowski. Verify, please. Those uh, the passport words were actually from uh, from some famous anime series. So the first two words that he got out before he was interrupted were uh, another homage to anime. Damon Togg's passport. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, he watches anime. <laughs> it tracks. <laughs> the, the doctor shows up, and he is not having it uh, again. Fuck that dude. Uh, How'd you get into yep. my quarters, dude? Get out of my right? fucking room. He knows the tie was on goes. the door. Right? You saw me take the green fabric out of the fabric library. <laughs> right. <We> all, <laughs> <laughs> all that means. Also canon. Ferengi have fabric libraries in every ship. And he wants to study Loxana's brain. You know, that uh, brain scan. And Damon Tog, under duress, says okay. Because he's got a little bit of blackmail going there. We get to Beta Z, And the Enterprise security team is trying to piece things together. They don't try. Trust the pay to Z locals. They have their own team. Thank you very much. Bum, bum. And they will find. That's right. It's a. I, I want a, a a spinoff of this unit of uh, <laughs> <laughs> people who just. It is do an investigation. SVU unit. What's happening? There was umlauts oh, yeah, happening. Yes, and then they find the flowers. These are from a motel room in Albuquerque. (laughs) (laughs) On the Enterprise, we learn that once again, they can expand their scanners. Every week, I feel like someone says, can we can we scan further? And every week it's like, yeah, we can. So they do. (laughs) Yeah. Because Wesley's there. He 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 tuned him right. up. That's right. That's they just right. need to come up with that one button, right? This is Max. And then the next week it goes to 11. <laughs> See, but I carved a little. But, but right next to it, there's a, there's a hole for, a, 11. for a, uh, an Allen wrench that'll still go a little further. <laughs> 24th century, it don't mean shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I got this at Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, back on the Frangy ship, uh, Riker feels like he can maybe use a trick to send a message. Maybe sneak something out on some code that won't get uh, banned. Uh, but can to... we, just for one second, can we talk the writing of, I've tried everything I can think of, except maybe if I go into... <laughs> <laughs> like, it's immediate. <laughs> everything. I've exhausted every possibility except for this one that will probably work. 
that <laughs> hopefully hopefully people were paying attention to at that party where a bunch of other things were happening a few days ago. Fingers crossed, everybody. Right, right. right. Yeah, it's even more obscure. <laughs> we see Luxana starts, uh, she's being tortured. Tortured. Oh Much the yeah. same way. I, I got very um, uh, uh, Duran Duran vibes from Barbarella, the Ooh. movie. Yeah. The Duran Duran. Duran Duran. Where she was sort of being tortured with pleasure, it almost felt like. Because she was like, ooh. Ugh. Ow. <laughs> Stop. No. Ow, Bill Murray don't. in Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> it's the NXS torture. Ugh. Ah, ah, <laughs> ugh. <Hey>. ah. <laughs> I love In Excess. I have no idea what you're talking about. And it's still very, very funny. (laughs) Well, listen to more In Excess. I feel like I I don't, I've never heard them before. I'm going to have to go back and listen to everything. Guns in the Sky, I think, is the one. Yeah, enjoy it, man. Oh, my goodness. If I could be you. Back on the Enterprise, y'all, Wesley won't leave the ship until he knows that long-range scanner is going to work. And, of course, he is the only one who can make it work. When he walks out and, like, sort of looks back and everyone's still talking, I wrote down, yeah, that's right, Wes, you don't matter. (laughs) (laughs) I really like (laughs) Shelly. Yes. <laughs> yes, fuck yeah. But he's also like, wait, they're not even going to say goodbye to me? Right? Fuck off, kid. Get out of here. Go do your oral and leave the grown-ups alone. <laughs> <laughs> and and Beverly meets him with like a lunchbox? I don't know what that <laughs> And she was on like a five and under. She was like, goodbye. Yes, Take right? care. Like... I hope you're fine. Like, if you say one more goddamn word, I swear to God, you're out. <laughs> and then uh, Wesley suddenly remembers static, and he runs away. Uh, he has to hear the tra- transmission again, and, and y'all will not believe what he hears in that transmission. But the ceremonial instrument being played at the beginning. Are you fucking kidding me? The big hammers. The fact that he was so nerdy and annoying early on pays off. (laughs) Right. Well, I was, as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, it's SOS. That's That's smart. Like it's, it's Morse code of some sort. Nope. You mean like you learn in a military institution, like an academy of some sort? He's going to fail his oral. (laughs) <laughs> no he's not <laughs> so they go warp eight to go save the three of them Riker and Troy meanwhile save Luxana somehow they're like no stop and he does and then Luxana you know says uh, hey just release them and I'll I'll stay willingly I love Riker tries to like interject and she calls him William William I am a grown woman and I can make my own decisions truth mm-hmm. preach and she just convinces deanna and uh and Riker that this is what's what what did, what are we all thinking at this point are we are we worried about the future of Luxana? deanna clearly wasn't <laughs> oh <No. laughs> nothing, uh, nothing about this episode suggested you should worry about anybody <laughs> it was it, like greg said it was a farce like it was all uh <laughs> comedy and stunt you know, pratfall kind of stuff. Even though there wasn't a, nearly enough pratfalls. But yeah, Deanna, Deanna could not have been quicker to be like, yeah, no, mom's got it. Bye. Let's go. Like, yeah. <laughs> no worries. She, she cool. Let's out. <laughs> She's going to own the ship in 12 hours. Because she so knew what was... Catch up with us. She knew what was happening because she had heard all the... brain the, talking. The brain talking. The brain talking. But can we also address the fact that Major Baird is conservatively six inches taller than every Ferengi and she could have just bashed their heads together and walked the fuck off the ship <laughs> and at no point even attempted. Like, she could have taken them handily there was not a laser whip in sight oh you can't use a laser mm. whip inside it says so on the side why not yeah. <laughs> it says so on the box where yeah. did they get the lightning <laughs> oh man i didn't know that can you use green fabric just rub it together <laughs> and then we get this fantastic montage where the Enterprise comes, Luxana comes on the screen, you know, Deanna immediately is like, she doesn't want to stay, call them, call them, and says, it's over between us, Jean-Luc. And I like uh. the classic 
cut off the mic. Goop. What do you call that? <laughs> Gesture. <laughs> <laughs> where where we learn that he's going to have to fight for her and off he goes with just about every sonnet I think that Shakespeare ever wrote. What do we think of this wonderful like cavalcade of just famous love poetry? Oh, it's great. And it continues when it goes off for other people to talk like amongst themselves you still hear him in the background you're let me not to the marriage of true minds <laughs> and it's it's just wonderful it's just I, it was like watching like a real tour audition for a community theater it was amazing <laughs> wow that's very specific <laughs> do you know a realtor who would, uh, yeah. yes i do actually Yes. Like, I've actually seen that happen. I love that he has this moment of trepidation where he's like, do, am I, do I have to be in character right now? And then he's like, I'm in, I'm in. And he does not break it the entire time. I think it is truly just like, I can do an act. If you would need me to do an act right now, this is what I've always wanted is have my Shakespeare lessons with data matter. <laughs> I was expecting the improv box of wigs to appear beside the chair and just like... Hats and wigs and hats and wigs and ruffs, you know. Shall I compare thee? I like how Loxana exit on too. The only way you will get me is over Damon Tog's dead body. <laughs> Which is just such a fantastic line. Draped, shot, killed, and maimed. The only way. <laughs> she gets beamed right on board uh, and practically leaps onto Picard's lap, which the wharf is not having. There's just this lovely little scene of Worth being like, no, that, that's not it. <laughs> not appropriate. And Picard says, like, thank you for saving my people. Like, well, it was her daughter, so. Right. She was trying to save her own child also. And we learned that they will go warp nine back to Beta Z. So apparently saving them was a warp eight. But getting her back to Beta Z, that's a warp nine. That was pure comedy. Basically, we, you know, last week we were talking about whether we would go to Warp 8 to save each other, right? And right. this also mentioning Warp 8 to get there, it was a, that I laughed out loud when I heard Warp 9 because he's a little bit quiet. He does it really only yeah. to Wesley, too. He's like, <laughs> Warp 9, get there. It's good. And then we think that that's going to be it, but no, we have a lovely little uh, end scene, a little tag at the end where uh, we learn that Wesley, much to both Jimmy and Shelley's um, delight will stay on board for another year. And not only will he stay on board, but he's getting a motherfucking promotion to full ensign and all the shit that comes with it. I don't know what all of the, you know, I guess health insurance. Better benefits. That's for yeah, sure. Like dental <laughs> now, maybe mm -hmm. you can order, you can order anybody non-commissioned around now. You say, oh, fuck you. I'm an officer. Brian, give me that <laughs> yep. drink. Mm. Uh, it, he also gets like a Saturday Night Fever montage uh, shot where it's like, you can't tell about But most importantly, he can get rid of those ridiculous pants with the lapel in the back. Yes. yes. I called it his butt shelf pants. Yeah. <laughs> in another, in another uh, shameful uh, attempt to bond with uh, GBG, I wrote, slap that smug look off your stupid red shirt face. <laughs> <laughs> So what do we think of said episode, Greg? Start us off. I'm going to give this one kind of a middle-of-the-road score, uh, but it made me laugh quite a few times. So I think I'm going to go with six Mr. Homs because it has some fun happening. It's a little bit out of norm. You don't have the the stakes and the, you know, the real kind of danger happening as much in this. It is a little bit more of a farce, so I liked that. Um, I don't love... Luxana, even though I love the character of Luxana, whenever she's on, I end up being like, mm, just I feel annoyed at, at, at how she treats uh, everybody in, in this. Uh, so I don't dig it as much uh, for that, but you know, it's it's got some good performances that makes it laugh worthy throughout. All right, thank you. Eric. I give it seven Neelixes. I, I quite enjoy Majel Barrett in it. I don't think she's the best actress. I think she is quite fun. Uh, and the uh, personality that shines through is just, yeah, it's hypnotizing. She's fantastic to watch, and anything that she does gets at least a seven from me. So there you go. 
Jimmy. I agree with Greg. I'm going to give this six stinky heads of lettuce. <laughs> it uh it's it's not great but it's it's good enough and i think it's exactly what you need preceding the the last few episodes that are going to come that are going to be heavier and deal with things that have a pretty big scar and impact on some of our characters for the rest of this franchise so you kind of need to throw in just some yucks and laughs right before you you throw some punches to the gut. I've never truly liked the way they chose to show the brain talking. And so anytime they come up with that, I'm like, I, I, I think there's a, I don't know what it is. I feel like if you ex really explore it, there might be a more elegant way of showing that these people can communicate without using their mouth. And they just never hit it. <laughs> uh, That's right. the way. <laughs> that would be better than just Pointing the voiceovers, I think. It's like, just talk then. You're, you're already talking now. It, you know, it's average. But should you see it? Yeah, it's not offensive. Um, but yeah, if you like stinky heads of lettuce, definitely check this one out. <laughs> Jelly. I am going to give it six old clay pots full of mold in a closet. Um, <laughs> I think Waxon I think is a fun character. I was watching some interviews with Major Barrett, and she had said that Jean told her when he first pitched her doing that character that she was the Auntie Mame of the galaxy, and that <gasps> that was like the perfect, like, it, that's exactly right. And then all I could think of was watching her and Ethel Merman do Auntie Mame together. I don't know why, but that's all I want to see yes. now. Um, so I think it's a fun episode. I think there's way too much Will Wheaton in it. Uh, any episode has been in it, as we all know. But I think it's I think it's fun to sort of see some some more of that Beta Z stuff. So yeah, and I would like to give all of you ten out of ten warp drives for having oh, such a great show. Thank you for uh, letting me play with y'all today. So. Shelley, thanks, Shells. Nice. I'm gonna give it uh, six and a half wall beds. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be careful with the half of a wall bed. Yeah, for, for most of what y'all have said, uh, it is not amongst the best episodes, but I, Jimmy, I think you're absolutely on to something that this is the kind of episode we sort of need before we get to uh, what we're going to get to. And then, you know, before we get to season four, which, you know, deals with the repercussions of of uh, what we've got. And anytime, anytime I get some Luxana, um, I'm, I'm a happy camper. And now knowing that she is the meme of the galaxy. Yes. Like mm -hmm. a thousand percent. That makes so much sense. And her performance makes more sense. Right. Yeah. Like everything about <laughs> it just makes yeah. like clicks into place. Costuming everything. We need yeah. a little Costuming. brain talk right this very minute. So that is this uh, week's episode. Shelly, my goodness. Thank you for joining us with your brain musings. Thank you all so much for having me. Hell yeah. I forget. Do you do the social media or do you have people follow you places? Uh, and That seems weird. People, people do follow me places, um, but I keep my fist at all times, so I'm good there. <laughs> good, good. We hope that you will join us next week for Transfigurations, which is an episode uh, that is called Transfigurations, so I'm excited about it. <laughs> now, if you excuse me, uh, it has been very hot in Seattle lately, and my pants are very moist. A stick in a tube. <laughs> Can't feel my legs. We appreciate you for voyaging with us on this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we are continuing on our mission with the next episode of the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Instagram and Twitter at reengagetng get updates when episodes are published you can follow our various cultural bridge crew on all of the social medias kate yeager is yeagerlicious eric gratton is at eric falls down greg tito is at greg tito on twitter and at greg underscore tito on instagram jimmy g is at the jimmy g on instagram re-engage is edited by me greg tito logo artwork by mojo jojo 97 theme music is by ryan marth thank you so much for listening Stand by now as Dr. Beverly Crusher is ready 